You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you, Miller. Isn't it nice to have another accent? <clears throat> Miller's awesome. I texted Miller this week, would you, could you read the Bible for us? How would you feel about that? She said, you asked how I would feel. I would feel nervous, but I think I'll be okay. (laughs) So bless you, Miller. Thank you so much. Ah, so good morning. How are we? Good? All right. What is pretty much the other most popular answer to that question? How are you feeling? How are you doing? Busy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got too many clues out there. In the church lobby, before or after, at family, friends, gatherings around the water cooler at work. How are you doing? Busy, right? We just, that's our, almost our automatic response, isn't it? Busy, so busy, crazy busy. I heard this week, mad busy. I'm mad busy. Things are nuts at the moment, feeling swamped, lots on my plate. To be honest, drowning a little bit. Things are crazy busy. Except for young kids, little kids, and maybe some elderly folks in nursing homes who could probably do with a visit from us if we could find the time, everybody else in between is just busy. It's almost like we feel like we have to answer in that way, don't you reckon? That if we didn't, if we said, you know, imagine, how you doing? Pretty chill. Not, not much on. We would feel maybe, let's be honest, maybe a little bit less significant. It's maybe even sort of pointing to people, you know, when you say, oh, I'm really busy, it's like saying I'm really important, didn't you know? Like so many people are asking me for my time. Kind of feel we wear it as a bit of a badge of honour, don't we? But I wonder if our busyness is a bit more like a sickness than a badge of honour. You know, this week we started a new series called Crazy Busy Alley. Intro it so well. Here we have our wonderful little setting. Isn't that cool? Crazy busy Max Brewer pretty much emptied out his bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, mate. Oh, it's good. We're excited. You know, what a a great series to be starting at the start of the year. Vision Sunday last week, wasn't that great? We had our prayer and praise night on Wednesday night, our kingdom come night, I like to call it. And it was awesome as as we said, God, what do you have for us in 2019? We're excited about what God's going to do, but if you're anything like me, you're also looking down the barrel at 2019 feeling a bit daunted, feeling a bit overwhelmed. You know, I saw this video on the Daily Mail. I wanted to chop it up and show it, but it, it, it had this guy, you might have seen it, there's two kayakers, and they're about to sort of go, go out and do some fishing, kayak fishing. He, this guy, his mate gets out, he launches it, no worries. And then he's so heavy laden with stuff, look at it, um, in his kayak, like it's crazy. He's got this massive esky on the back of it. There's so much stuff on it. And he tries to get out there, but there's too many waves coming in. It's about five-minute video of him just getting destroyed. <laughs> like you shouldn't laugh at people's misfortune, but it's tough not to laugh. Like he, the, the kayak goes in and out, and he's, he, he turns his back. He's trying to get the things, and it trips him over. And it's just, that's kind of, if you be like me, you feel like that, looking at 2019. Your kayak is laden with a lot. And if you're lucky... You might just get out there, but you'll probably just be tripped over by your own life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you just wish you had more time? 
How many of you just wish you had more time to spend with, you name it, your kids, your spouse, you know, your husband or your wife, more time with family, friends, more time with God, more time to read? I wish I had more time to read. More time to pray? More time to work out? More time to serve? More time to surf? Get an amen from that? Yeah, more time to surf. I would just love, if it were possible, as part of a practical application from this series, if I could give you one or two more hours a day, but that is not within my power. We only get 24 of them a day. It's all we get. You know, the busyness of our age, it's well attested, not just a few sort of you know, thinkers around the place. We are busier than ever. It was interesting to hear that quote from Ali. It was 100 years ago they were feeling busy now. Are we a hundred times busier? I don't know. We are busier than we've ever been. That's the truth. I read an Australian newspaper article. I was doing some research. I, was, I read the whole article. Okay, I'm lying. I didn't read it. I just scanned it because who's got time to read a whole article? But I, no, I, I did read most of it. And anyway, it said this, over 50% of parents are too busy to read to their kids at night. That would never be me. Um, since 1900... Our sleep has fallen, average sleep, by 25%. And people in between the ages of 25 and 64, that's a good deal of us here, are averaging less than eight hours sleep a night. Our work weeks are getting longer. Did you know that? By the decade. And Australia is leading the way with longer work weeks. The article went on to say our crazy busy lifestyle leads us to health problems, road rage, irritability, an erosion of quality thinking, and a feeling amongst most adults that they can't remember the last time they didn't feel at least, at least a little bit tired. Anyone relate to that? Whew, I sure can. You know, in Australia in the last 10 years, volunteering rates have dropped. And in a recent survey, get this, over 40% of us cited feeling rushed or pressed for time all the time. So that's over 40% of us feel rushed or pressed for time all the time. And another 35% of us as Australians felt it sometimes. So it's 75% of us always feel rushed and pressed for time or, or you know, a good bit of the time. Feels like it might be a Sydney thing, a, a metro thing. We're talking with friends about us who live on Norfolk Island, population 1,400, and they say it's the same there. It's crazy. Every, everyone is busy. They all say, I'm busy, we're busy, things are busy. We all seem to lead pretty busy lives. Busy, busy, busy. Now let me just say at the outset, I want to get this clear and out on the table. I struggle with this too. I am on this journey with you. I have not figured it out. Part of the reason I wanted to do a series about crazy busy is because I feel like this. You know, unless some of us want to buy a plot of land and go up the coast and, and get a commune going? Does anyone want to do that? Anyone keen for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you'd be in for that. You want to do that? No? Paul? Okay. See some hunting going on, kind of stuff. Unless we want to do that and leave this area, this is, listen to this, okay? This is not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. Things are just not going to get less busy like that. It's just something we've got to deal with as Christian people in this world. How? 
You know, I've, I, it's, my personality leans into this way. I've always been kind of a busy person, always. You know, at school, I, just, I was in every play, musical, band, sporting thing. I was pretty terrible at sport, but I played it, played it anyway. My attitude was kind of, if it's available, sign me up. I was up for stuff, and I enjoyed it. Moving into uni, it was definitely a slower pace of life, that's for sure. But in the same ways, it was busy, full of lots of things. You know, I was in a Bible study, a small group, which is funny. At, well, I've told you it's funny. You better laugh now. It's, uh, I was in this Bible study at church with uni students and young workers, and they'd get to the end of their Bible study and would all share, how you doing? And all the uni students would go, oh, I'm so busy. I've got like nine hours of uni this week, and I've, I, I've got this one assignment that's due in two months. I haven't even started it yet. It's, I've got to be at class at 10 a.m. on a Monday. Pray for me. Please pray for me. And that was me, absolutely me at uni. And all the young workers in the group were rolling their eyes at us. Totally fair enough, right? Uni life was pretty full. It was full of fun stuff. Then I became one of those young workers, and I was rolling my eyes at the uni students. I had to be somewhere before 9 a.m. five days a week. It took me three months to adjust to that, by the way. It's true. You've got to get to bed at a reasonable hour. You've got to do most of your non-work stuff outside of work hours. Well, you know, that's obviously a little bit flexible, so here you go. And you, I moved out of home at this time as well, just before. And you've got to do all just that life stuff, right? Life just gets busier. I would say life gets progressively busier as you move on. I had to do living at home, working. You've got to do all that insurance stuff, tax Health, I mean, all those things. Life just gets busier. It's not that fun. And then you get married, which is awesome, but now you've got someone else's life to integrate with your own, and things get busier. For me, married, young working, then I started the band, which was really fun, but I tell you what, then it got kind of serious. And then lots of bills had to be paid, and tours had to be booked, and people were relying on us, and it became this kind of giant thing. People depended on us. And then kids come along. And you've got to do all those life things, and then you've got to try and raise these little human beings and pretend like you know what you're doing. There is no handbook. A friend of mine described it like you're flying a plane as you're trying to construct the plane. That's what it feels like. Church planting feels like that. And also being a parent. These kids are here, and you're like, how you're working it out as you go. Learning on the fly. Fast forward to now, I'm looking back at school, uni, being a young worker, young married, all that kind of stuff, and I'm just thinking, all of that spare time, what did we do with it? Now, by the way, if you're in that period, I'm not judging you, enjoy it, embrace it, okay? The worst thing would be at the end of the service, all the sort of older folks talk to the younger folks, you think you're busy now, we don't want that, because everyone thinks they're busy in this stage they're in, and we do lead full and busy Lives. Now, I didn't know it back then, but of course, I had more time. But now I would say we're busier than we've ever been. Life just seems to get busier and busier. Now, whoever you are, you're likely to struggle with the weight of work, family, exercise, bills, church, school, friends, and just the many requests we field every week. Now, some of us are busier than others, of course, not a competition. But many of us can understand that feeling of just being frazzled and overwhelmed a good deal of the time, right? So what are we going to do about it? Here's a question you might be, might be asking in your mind, and I kind of hope you are. Why are we 
talking about this at church. I'm thinking, what, why are we talking about this in a church setting? Well, here's why. Because there is a danger, physical danger, to being busy, right? If you've got very demanding, like mentally demanding work, we all know more and more that there's physical danger to that anxiety, all that kind of stuff, right? However, the most serious concern is when we're crazy busy, we put our souls at risk. Let me say that again. When we are crazy busy, we put our souls at risk. So you are a spiritual person. And that might just sound bleedingly obvious for a minister of the gospel to say that to you in a church, but it's the truth. You are a spiritual person. And when we're crazy busy, we neglect our souls. There are great dangers to that. We're going to look at two of them this morning in a moment. But let me ask you, do you find yourself thinking, when am I going to get my life under control? Like in your quieter moments, if you have many. Maybe it's on the couch in the five seconds before the next Netflix episode starts. You know, now they're doing, it used to be 15 seconds. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone, Netflix? No? Okay, it's just me. Now you only get five seconds before the next episode. Do I want to watch it? It's on, I'm watching. <laughs> Decision made. <laughs> or maybe it's just before you go to sleep at night, you've got that little bit of quiet, and you start to ask yourself questions. You're thinking, man, when am I going to get my life under control? I haven't had time for God this week, barely at all. I've been short with my kids. I've taken my spouse for granted. Not been a very good son. When was the last time I really checked in with my folks? I've been a pretty absent friend. I've been too busy to pursue God with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Is that even possible? You see, we've got to address this, don't we? We cannot afford not to. At Harborside Church, we believe that following Jesus is not just a Sunday thing. It's not just maybe one you know, evening a week you talk about this Jesus thing. It's a whole of life thing. What I say up here, what we do up here, it has to be about our whole life, right? It's got to be. It's too important to ignore. So we're going to tackle this issue in this series over the next sort of five or six weeks. We, we are seeking to get to the heart of why we are so crazy busy. So each week we're going to be diagnosing some reasons why we are so crazy busy. Now this series been based, has been based on an awesome little book by Kevin DeYoung. It's mercifully short, all right? It's, it's a great little book. Get it, read it. It's available at the info desk for 20 bucks. Is that right, Max? Do we have that tap thing happening? Because who's got cash? We could, you can put your card and tap it, you know, that kind of good stuff. At church, how cool is that? You can do it. You can also, we have audio CDs because someone who will not be named, <coughs> Paul Robertson, said I'm too. <laughs> said I'm just too busy to read this thing. I'm going to get it on Audible. Fantastic, do that. Get it on Audible, but get it into you. This is good stuff. Let's spend the next five weeks looking at this issue. Each week we're going to be diving into to see what God's word has to say to us on this topic, okay? Because that's where, this is, that's a foundational value of our church. 
We are going to be soaked in prayer. We're built on the foundation of God's word. What does God's word have to say to this issue that we are dealing with as Jesus followers? We're also going to get really practical. My hope and prayer is that each week we can hear from each other. How are you doing with this? What's something that, that you've, you're doing, not doing, all that kind of stuff. We'll get to that in a moment. So today, we're introing the new series. So a much longer introduction, shorter rest of the sermon, I promise. Much longer introduction. Today, we're going to look at two dangers of being crazy busy, and then one a way to follow. So what are we going to be looking at? We're going to get two dangers, and then we're going to be looking at a way forward. Okay? That's today. Introing the series, two dangers, then a way forward. Let's look at our first danger. The first danger of being crazy busy is it steals our joy. Being crazy busy steals our joy. When our lives are frantic and frenzied, we are more prone to anxiety, resentment, impatience, and irritability. Isn't that true? The Bible says, as Christians, our lives should be marked, should be characterized by joy. Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. But I tell you what, often our lives aren't marked up like that, are they? And I think being crazy busy has something to do with it. I believe this is part of the devil's work. Hear me out on this. Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you, that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come to bring life. Here's the question. Are we experiencing his life? Or have we allowed much of the fullness of life in Christ to be stolen, to be killed, to be destroyed? If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And he'll make you distracted. Let me ask you this. Does anybody, it's hard to self-reflect, does anybody look like this? Anybody? Can anybody relate? This is never me. I had to ask someone how to even do this. (laughs) That's a total joke. This is, I often look, and you look like a zombie when you're endlessly scrolling. Now, I'm not against social media or anything like that, but they're overused for sure. We'll talk about that in future weeks. But this is often me. I am so guilty of this at home. Pip is looking at me like nodding like crazy. Yeah, you never do it. Anyway. um, (laughs) Too much? Too much? Too much. Much. I am so guilty of this at home. My boundaries of this are not good at all. My kids often, okay, I'm getting pretty honest here. My kids often say, put your phone down. They've even hit it out of my hand before. That's not their problem. That's my problem. That's my fault. You know, a study has shown, no need for that prop anymore. Your study has shown that when parents and like, teen, young, or tween kids are having conflict, they talk to them both, and you know what they find the number one problem is? They want the same thing. They want each other's undivided attention. You're not listening to me. They're not listening to each other. That has a lot to do with it. Distracted. It's difficult to give people what we want to give them when we are busy, when we are distracted. You know, raising kids is tough, right? It's hard. 
And I think, again, I want to, this is this week, I've been, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me? It doesn't come to me first. I think I take some of the joy out of parenting because of my crazy busy life. Now, I, I make good boundaries about when I'm home and I want to be home for the kids and all that kind of stuff and on the weekend and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff, right? I'm ahead of the curve in that, I think. But I am so, my mind is going a million miles an hour that often I'm just not present when I am home because my mind is going over and over. I often find myself, it kind of became evident, I, my, I often say to my kids, come on, quick, hurry up, let's go. You ready? Come on, quick, quick, in the car, let's go. And I was doing it. This is just my default. It's what I do all the time, no matter if we have something to go to or not. Come on, quick, let's go. <laughs> and, and I said, I, we were getting into the house, and I was like, come on, Josh, quick, quick, my oldest. And he asked me, he said, oh, Dad, where are we going? I was like, quick, quick. Well, actually, you're going to go to bed so Mum and Dad can collapse on the couch. <clears throat> but we actually had nowhere to go. We were just hanging out for the afternoon, which is pretty rare for us. And it just kind of exposed something in my heart. Why is my default always, hurry up, come on? Why am I in such a hurry? You know, young kids, you often have, and they're distracted by heaps of stuff, right? They see a little flower, and they grab it, and they want to smell it, and they want to give it to you as a gift. And it's sweet the first time, but the 40th time, you're like, hurry up, come on, let's go. You know, a friend of mine's grandparent said, his parent, so she's a grandparent to the little ones, she said, you parents are so busy. You're always, I'm loving being a grandparent. I got less on, and I can just let them set the agenda. Now, I know you can't always do that. We've got stuff on. I get it. But I'm talking personally. My default is always, why am I in such a hurry? If we aren't careful, joy can be taken away from us because of our crazy, busy lives. Have you heard about the issue of margin before? Do you have margin in your life? What does that mean? It means looking at the week ahead and thinking, okay, here's all the stuff we've got. I'm gonna, here's the week. I'm going to schedule less than that, so I've got some margin on either side. So if stuff happens, I can deal with it. But you know what most of us do? Here's the week. I'm going to try and do this much over schedule. And so if, if nothing happens and everything goes perfectly smoothly, I can probably do it. But that's never the case, is it? Life comes at us. It's really the case that that happens. You throw in a sick kid. You throw in a couple of trips to the doctor. You throw in a midnight hospital visit, your week is gone, blown out. You're maxed out. You throw in a major customer issue at work, which I know is a daily thing for a lot of us, and your week is just blown out of proportion. Someone at work's just resigned that you've just been training up. You're thinking, oh, man, how am I going to handle that this week? Or maybe your boss is about to go away for four weeks. He or she has just put more work on your desk because of that and your week is now just looking insane. You string a few of those weeks together, how are your joy levels? Being crazy busy can steal our joy. Okay, what's the next danger we need to look for? Being crazy busy robs our hearts. Being crazy busy robs our hearts. What do I mean? Last year in the Discover Jesus series, we looked at Mark 4 at the parable of a sower, and I know it's at the forefront of your mind because we looked at it in church. So we looked at the parable of the sower. The sower falls, throws out seed, and it lands in four different places. We'll go through them real quick. The first one lands on the path. doesn't do well. It's too hard. The bird snaps it up. Second seed 
falls on rocky soil. The soil's just too shallow. It, it springs up. It's a bit of life, but it can't take root. The sun scorches it and it dies. We'll skip the third seed. The fourth seed get, lands on good soil and produces crop, fruit, 30, 60, 100 times. The third seed, let's spend some time there. What happens to that? Lands in seemingly good soil, but lands among thorns. So, but it grows up, the soil's good, it grows up, but as it grows up, the thorns, the weeds, grow too. And what happens? They choke the life out of it. You see, the word of God, this is a parable of Jesus, the word of God, which is represented in the seed, is stopped from producing fruit in the third type of soil because it's crowded out by other things. Great theologian Calvin said this, the human heart is a thick forest of thorns. Isn't that true? This is our problem. This was written 2,000 years ago. It could not be more pertinent to busy, urban, upper-middle-class, aspirational people like we are in this room. This is us. This is our problem. Jesus says the thorns represent two things. He says they represent the cares of the world and they represent the desire for many things. Let's look at what that first thing means, the cares of this world. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been on a church weekend away? a spiritual retreat or a women's or a men's weekend away. They're awesome, aren't they? Campfire, kumbaya, the works. No, not really, but they are an awesome time. And if you've been on one, like the Alpha Day Away is amazing. Do you know why? And you grow. You shouldn't be surprised that. Do you know why? Because you schedule to be there. And the cares of the world are often far from your mind because you've cleared time to be there. Stuff happens because we make time for it. See, the cares of the world are enormous. They just are. And they can choke out our spiritual lives. Mortgage, kids, work, family, bills, difficult friends, pets, you name it. This is the reality of being a follower of Jesus in this world. Second thing Jesus talks about is the desire for many things. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, things in themselves aren't bad. They're inanimate objects, right? Things, possessions. Although greed is an issue. We'll talk about that another week, I'm sure. Nobody thinks they're greedy, by the way. Everyone looks at someone wealthier than them. Oh, they're greedy, but not me. But we'll get there another day. Something we struggle with. But I tell you what, the possessions themselves, nothing necessarily wrong with them. But I tell you what, having to take care of those possessions... That can really fill our lives and what we'll do in order to get more of them. As the great philosopher Tyler Durden from Fight Club said, (laughs) the things you own end up owning you. It's true, isn't it? The things you own end up owning you. The more stuff you own, the more stress you have. It is the truth. Don't you find it weird that the most stressed out people live in the most affluent countries? Have you thought about that? Think about all the things we own and want to own and everything that goes along with it. We shouldn't be surprised that Jesus knows what he's talking about. It seems the greatest threat to the church, to us, to our spiritual prosperity, it's not false teaching, it's not heresy, it's not persecution. 
It's sheer exhaustion. Giving our efforts, energy, time, attention to other things. That will never satisfy. They were never meant to. They were never meant to function like that. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart for it is, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Okay, feeling a bit convicted? I know I am. Feel a bit convicted. This is real, isn't it? Let's look at a way forward. Let's, by the grace of God, look at a way forward. We're going to spend just a little time in our reading today, read so well by Miller. Thank you very much. We're going to come back to this passage in future weeks because it's got so much to teach us as gold. I don't want to spend too much time on it now, but I think we need to. Remember the story? Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's house. I always feel for Martha, don't you? Because I just I see so much of myself in her. Did she get a bad rap? Let's see. I see so much of myself in her. Jesus arrives at the house of Mary and Martha, maybe unannounced. There's obviously no text message ahead. Here we come. And Martha, two sisters living in the same place, Martha immediately goes into hospitality mode, doesn't she? There's heaps to do, prep to be done, people are here, let's get to work. She felt the pressure. How would you feel, Jesus, second member of the Trinity, coming over to your place for lunch? (laughs) You'd feel the pressure to clean up, right? I mean, you know, we mildly freak out when we have some of you lot over for dinner. We're thinking, oh, man, quick, quick, there's dried up cereal on the couch. (laughs) There's underwear hanging over the TV. Mostly not mine, depends. The bathroom is full of toy dinosaurs. There's toilets in, I mean, there's toys in the toilet. That's not unusual. Imagine the king of the universe coming over for dinner. You'd feel the pressure. Thing is, it's not a bad thing. Side note, it's not a bad thing to clean up your house, right? It's not a, I mean, it's a good thing to have a place where people feel warm and welcome, to practice hospitality. That's part of our vision here at Harborside Church. The problem is, when we get distracted by that, if that hijacks the whole reason you're having people over, then something's wrong, right? You see, Martha's not a fool. She is not a fool by any means. She knows Jesus is important. That's why she's putting this effort in. But here's what Martha does. She allows the urgent to take over the important. She allows the urgent to take over the important. What does the passage say? Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. What's Mary, her sister, doing? She's listening at the feet of Jesus. Martha, running around. Mary, sitting, listening. I can, I can just, you can imagine what Martha's thinking about Mary. You lazy bum, come and help me. I can imagine her sort of, I don't know, kneading the bread or something in the kitchen and just laser beam looking at Mary, the back of her head, you know, just boring in, wanting her to turn around so she can just come and help me. Mary, transfixed. Martha, she's upset. So upset that she goes in, I don't know if this is a cultural faux pas, she goes in and interrupts what's going on. She interrupts Jesus and she says, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. And Jesus' reply, as always, is surprising. It would have been totally normal, expected for him to say, Mary, go and help her. Back then, unfortunately, it was women's work to do the hospitality. Unfortunately, 
too many places around the world, it still is. Jesus easily could say, Mary, go and help your sister. But he doesn't. What does he say? I love it. Martha. Martha. It's like, dear Martha. Martha, listen to me. Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What does Jesus mean? Martha, you're in a frazzle. You are doing a good thing, yet it's causing you great anxiety, but Mary has chosen a better thing. How did you feel when I read that? Are you distracted? Are you worried and upset about many things? What's the challenge for today? What's the challenge for today? Let's keep it real simple because we are crazy busy. Choose what is better. That's the challenge for today. That's the challenge for this series. Choose what is better. Mary chose something better over something good. Choose what is better. You know what the tough thing about life is? It's full of good choices, isn't it? In Martha's case, she's doing a good thing but neglecting the most important thing. Choose what is better. Let me ask you, what do you need to do in this space? For some of us, we may be choosing everything else and completely neglecting our soul, our spiritual selves. Maybe you have not yet ever put your hope, faith, trust in Jesus. Are you putting those things in every, everything else? Maybe you have not yet chosen what is ultimately better. And if that's you, I encourage you today, put your hope, your faith, your trust in the living God who can truly satisfy. What about the rest of us? What's it going to mean for us to choose what is better? Let me say this first. You know the only reason we have the ability to choose what is better is because our great saviour also made a choice, didn't he? He could have chosen to stay in heaven, but he chose to do something better over something good. Could have stayed in heaven, but he came here, became a man, but still could have healed, healed people, been a great teacher, but he chose something better over something good. He chose to surrender his will to the Father and choose what was better. He wrestled with it in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? but he chose a far better thing. But here's the thing, it wasn't better for him. It was better for us. He chose to give his life away so that we might have fullness of life. He made the ultimate better choice, so now we are able to choose what is right. Let that be the background for the choices that we make. We are able to choose what is better. And let me ask, we're going to wrap up in a sec. What does it mean for you? Has any of this resonated with you? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you sensing God calling you to stop something, to start something, prioritize something? 
Like I said before, in future weeks, we'll look at some of the reasons why we're crazy busy. Try to uproot them. But for today, let's just sit and ask God. I want to invite the band up. Come on up, Derek and Steve. We're going to have a moment of quiet. How many moments of quiet do we really have in our lives? Let's have one. Let's just sit here and ask for a couple of minutes. God, what do you want from me? What does it mean for me, God, to choose what is better? What's the Holy Spirit convicting you of now? What's the most important thing you've been distracted from doing?